Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. What number is this? This is like 104, maybe. Well, we don't even know. You don't even know. We only know when it gets up, updated or uploaded. Right, right. Um, yeah, so hey, perfect timing. Janet, Love thank it. you. And Dave. So before, are we starting? Time, are we, we starting now? Yeah, are we, we starting? Have we started? Oh, we okay. have started. Should we talk about what we're doing? No, no, no. You're not no, going to no, give me any, no, no, any nothing, background. Nothing. nothing. So, nothing. so, so okay. listeners, you're, you're, we're prepping Janet Scott uh, as we go here. <laughs> she is fully prepared for a wonderful interview. Um, but we should start by talking about last night, Greg, before, because Janet was asking. We said that would be a perfect opener, I think it's right? a good idea. So um, in episode 103, we had Wendy Papadopoulos, the the uh, brewmaster master mm-hmm. over at Big Tide Brewing. You're, now you're calling the brewmaster master. Well, last time I said brew mistress, and I was corrected that that's actually uh, not a thing. No, okay. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think uh, she's the brew mistress. But I don't know why. Wouldn't that be the feminine version of master? No, no? if you're a master, you're a master. A master is a master. A master. You're, 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 hey, buddy, Especially when you're, you're on thin about ice, and I'm leaving you all alone on that. Okay, well, I don't even want to go into, in, into the definition of mistress, but I think there's a number of different. <laughs> So anyway, she's a great at brewing beer. She's a great master at it. Brewing beer, and she offered. I don't. I don't know if one of us suggested it or she. She. Came well, it up, might have been subtly suggested. She said we should make a beer based on what Greg and Dave would taste like if they were a beer. So oh my gosh, that's we good. Had, did you know about this at all? I saw something on Facebook. So and then I saw the party as it was happening, and I was in my bed and li- live streaming. reading Facebook. Got it. So. Uh, we put out a survey to our listeners and our fans. There was about 9,500,000, 900,000, It's close 000. to a million. Yeah. There was about really? a million responses on the survey. Uh, so it was questions like, would they be bitter? Would they be strong, light, citrusy, fruity? Uh, the local, is, colorful. The, local, the, the one that got the least votes was sweet. And I was like, what? Yeah. Or, uh, anyway. I vote for sweet. I, yeah. I know. Yeah, I would definitely vote for sweet. But all that to say is last night we got to sweet celebrate our 100th uh, podcast episode at Big Tide Brewing, and we get to taste some of Wendy's new beer, mm-hmm. and it was crowdsourced for the name. So, Dave, why don't you let Janet know the name of the beer? Oh, why would you say it? It's a tough one. It is, we were Hemming's Way, really, really great beer. Ale. Ale. Heming, it, it's the Hemingsway really great ale. I'll say. I'll be able to say, say it after all. So, so we. But just so you know, I went. I went there, and we're going to talk about it in a second. We got some. We wanted Janet to taste this great beer, yeah. and it's got. It's got all these great characteristics, and uh, Wendy w- described it in full detail. It was really cool, actually. What goes into the process, eh? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so we we have it in a growler. So I went there and I took a picture, but we're what's on tap, but it doesn't have our name. It's it's Bowling Point. Okay. Well, that's cool too. Which is kind of neat too, right? So yeah. I took a picture of it and I'm, I will tweet it oh, out. That's fantastic. So it doesn't um, have your really great beer name. Yeah, the Hemingway okay. really great ale. 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 Yeah. Okay. But it was a nice name. I like that name. So, um, and, 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 and Brett, Brett and, Mason uh, was the one who yes, made that name. And very, I think very cool. it's, it's got a very Orthodox Jewish feel to it, you know? It's an, well, she was saying it like with a German accent. Well, you kind of have to say it with an accent. So yeah. it's probably really, good that they haven't, don't have really, it written really out because tale. it wouldn't work. Yeah. So we got to talk to Janet about what she's doing in the world and all the exciting things she's doing. But how do we, were we going to start just having well, a little sample here? here? Because or what? we are celebrating St. John with our guest, by the way. 
way, who is Janet Scott, uh, old friend and champion of the city. Janet, thank you uh, for being here. Welcome to The Bowling Point. Thank you. Very excited to be here, although I'm wondering if I should be offended that it took 103 other people in front of no, me no, to no. come before this is, this you is, actually this is how the long we, This is how long it took us. From from day one, we were asked, you know, to, Janet's not available. She's oh, out of the country. Actually, it was episode three that we tried yeah. to get you on, but you were... You're too you were, busy. Too you busy. way too busy for us. So we I'm sorry. I'm glad you were able to talk to my handlers. And uh, we yes, your people. It was 100 episodes later, we got you in. So this mm-hmm. special, so this there we go. Centurion you said something on. about if if Chris Hadfield goes on, then I might consider. Wasn't that the from her people? I think it was something like that. <laughs> so I think just to get us started right now, yeah. our podcast, Janet, are usually about twenty six minutes long, um, and so we're gonna get right to it. But because St. John is becoming a brewing hub, yes, with mm-hmm. First City Brewing, mm-hmm. Pickerones, Big Tide Brewing, soon to be. Moosehead uptown. I'm right. probably, am I missing one? I'm not too sure. Um, I, I see this good. as a little special way for us to kind of cheers in the summer and cheers in a new uh, uptown in uh, St. John, New Brunswick, where we're doing this podcast. So we're going to open up a growler of the new uh, uh, Hemings, Hemings Bay uh, Vili Great, Great Ale, Ale right now. So get your cups. All right. Where are our cups? Uh, behind Janet. Okay, Janet. I have to go to there's, there's like four. Is that right? Wow. Are they we all clean? We have an extra guest coming. Okay. There yes. We go. So. We have to do it in a way that we the microphone can Thank pick you. up the sound. And, oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's good. And 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 and, and I must oh and we must there warn we Janet about um and I've been I, we we learned this last night we learned it a little bit before but we felt the effects of it last night. This is seven point two I think. And I'm running a five k tomorrow. I know five k is nothing for like you and Dave. So um, just be aware. But for me, <laughs> I will sip it. I wonder if this is going to be make my run slower or faster tomorrow. We shall see. Okay. Now, what did, what did you think? Well, this cheers. Is, Let's do a cheers. Oh, cheers. Here we go. Cheers. cheers. Thank you, Janet. 103 episodes to get her in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's light and citrusy. Mm. And, it, and and there's a, there's a mystery like aftertaste. What do you think it is? I'm usually pretty it, good at as this. Soon as as soon as we say it, you'll, you'll know. But you're going you're gonna to go, oh, that's it. And it has something to do with what, what uh, Wendy... You thought know, of you? Thought my hair color was at one point in Greg's. There's an orange. Point. Well, there's the citrus, right? It's a little citrus, a little, a little orange, ginger. and, and a, a little ginger. 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 Yeah. Okay. And there's Julia Wright who came over to say hi. Hey, Julia. Hi. You're on the. You're literally live on the podcast right now. Excellent. <laughs> I, and we'll, we'll actually get you on sometime. May, you might be 125. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming so, in. Janet, welcome on. Uh, thank you for putting up with our beer uh, beer intro. Um, let's let's start with getting you to give us an introduction, even before working at Enterprise St. John. Well, and, and your and your current role, and what's interesting yeah. about this whole craft brewery kind of thing, and it's uptown thing that you reference, is that, I mean, it's connected to what you're doing right now, a part of what you're doing right now, mm-hmm. right? Which is Director of Business and Community Development at St. John, in St. John, at mm-hmm. Enterprise St. John. And Enterprise St. John. And, uh, and, and there's a whole bunch of other cool things we want to get into. But um, but just out of curiosity, if I could segue from what you were saying earlier, Greg, what are, what are you seeing? And you live uptown as mm-hmm. well, I believe, right? So you're like a true urban legend here, right? So what are, what are you seeing um, in your role and, and as a member of the community in St. John in the last, you know, let's say five years? Wow. Um, I mean, I think I think we anyone who's who's 
participating in the urban scene in St. John sees that there's a significant transformation happening. And it's not, what's really exciting is that it's not one person who's responsible for that. It's a number of people coming together who really want to create and develop and collaborate to do things. And and so if you look at the, the food scene in St. John, it's never been like this before. Exactly. It's never been this good. And and I was actually with somebody from Toronto last night at East Coast Bistro and we were having a fantastic meal and we were asking about whether or not the cod was even sustainably fished. And we found out that it was you know, hook, line and, and sinker kind of fishing, which is sustainable fishing and farming. And and so, you know, when we look at the food scene, great things are happening. We're also at Enterprise St. John going to be launching a new brand for what we're, we've been calling the Heritage Knowledge Park. So if we look at, um, sometimes when investors are looking at St. John, they'll say, well, where's your technology park? Where's your knowledge park? Mm. And we kind of have to say, well, we don't really have one technically, but we do have one. And mm-hmm. it's our urban core where tech companies want to work in places with bricks and beams and open Mm -hmm. spaces and have access to a coffee shop, restaurants, five minutes away from legal support and accounting support and the ability to, what's that? Brew pubs. Brew pubs. Absolutely. Well, (laughs) they're kind of in the restaurant and bar scene, but you know, to live and live and work in really cool spaces where everything, where you can connect really, really quickly with people. And I think so back to your your question is that I think we've we've created a place where you can connect easily for social purposes, for business purposes, and to live, right? And so I, I think it's it's a really interesting uh, place that uh, those that that are living there and working here really really appreciate and and uh, so get a lot out of. And, and and like for people that don't know, like and and we're. I say I could say pretty confidently that Greg and I are huge fans of ESJ Enterprise mm-hmm. St. John. It was one of the first places I ever, when I arrived in the city, uh, my business partner walked me in, and uh, and a woman named Lois Vincent, who's mm-hmm. who probably still you know jumps in and helps out once in a while, um, was kind of like this mother figure for a lot of us, eh, Greg? Um, and but for people that don't understand what Enterprise St. John does, I mean, it's a whole, it does a whole bunch of things, mm-hmm. but maybe you can give a bit of a description. Yeah, I mean, we we do three key things: is we we help people start businesses, we help businesses grow, and we attract business to the region. Those are the three key areas. But the way we describe it is, we really see ourselves as connectors, and you're going to hear a theme because we connections are really important, and we believe in the power of of um, being a connected region and being connectors. And so, you know, we connect. Our, our mission statement is is that we connect um, people, ideas, and investments to turn industry opportunities into economic growth. So part of that is understanding, having a network, understanding who can help at the right time, right place, um, whether it's a brew pub that wants to expand or it's Musa that wants to create a, an innovation microbrewery center in the urban core. Well, what you know, what's involved in that? What are the connections that they're going to require in order to, to do that? Whether it's understanding the development opportunities to actually build the brew pub or it's innovation opportunities to create the next best beer that can be sold all around the world and and so we're we're working with companies right now to uh, to help them identify really good problems to solve and a lot of people think well what, what does that mean and and they don't really recognize that a problem is an opportunity right and if you define the problem really well and work through a process that we're championing and it is a process it's not it's not problem solution it's problem process eventually you come to the solution. If you go through the process properly, you can have create incredible value for, for companies. And um, 
you're mentioning all these uh, really awesome things that are happening in our city. And there's cities like ours all over the world, all over North America, uh, that have probably gone through many years of feeling insufficient because of our size. It feels like something shifting, though, where small is becoming an advantage. Mm-hmm. What, what do you see? Because you've been hanging around in the entrepreneur scene in St. John for many years. And um, what's happening right now? Is it easier? It's, uh, are we celebrating something that, you know, uh, now that we didn't before, where before we thought we had to be in Toronto or New York or L.A. or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, what are you seeing there? Well, in fact, I had this conversation again last night. We had somebody who was here from Toronto and, and we went out for dinner and uh, he works in, in the technology space and with the solutions that he's selling. And he was, he was meeting with the with City Hall and, and people in our region. He said, I can't have these conversations in Toronto. It would take me months to get in. He said, I haven't even bothered approaching Toronto City Hall. He said, there's just no way. There's no way I can get a meeting. And so our small size, and, and we've been having conversations with companies like Cisco and, uh, and Rogers and, and EY to, to, you know, how do we partner together to, to create some, some real value? We're looking at, you know, a, a data strategy for the region. And part of the reason they're really interested in investing in St. John is exactly that. We're small, we're nimble. You can connect with the, with people really easily and people are open, right? I mean, we're busy. It's not like we're sitting around and, and don't have a lot of work to do, but we're open to, to new ideas and opportunities. And, you know, as I said to the person last night, if, if there was a really compelling reason why you, you needed to meet a senior politician tomorrow, we could make it happen, right? And you can't do that in a lot of, a lot of cities. That's a really good point, you know, and, and even just, I was just in, I was, you know, speak, not to pick on Toronto, but I was there last week and I had meetings and I rented a car and my God, <laughs> like I thought, well, I've got, I've got like an hour in between me. It'll be no problem. Like I was mm. barely making it. And, and then, then to find 50 bucks to park. Well, to find parking. Well, so you might just, get two meetings a day, well, right? Kind of Whereas here you can have five or right. six. Yeah. So I thought that was, I thought that mm. was really interesting. Um, uh, and, and, and just kind of like, I'd forgotten, I guess, which mm-hmm. is crazy. Um, so when you look, um, and you know what, I, you know, your, your description of the food scene and stuff, I just can't help but thinking of when I came from Vancouver, I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I mean, I remember, I remember arriving here, it was like 16 years ago now, it was like 2000. And, you know, when I said, well, you know, can we go for sushi? Um, we're, huh. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, then, and there's like, there's like, I don't know, three or four really good sushi places now. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, to find like a, a coffee with espresso mm-hmm. was like, you know, you go to City Market, that was the only place. So right. it's just, so, I mean, things like that I see changing mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. kind of, that's that's my timeline, so I've yeah. really enjoyed watching that. Um, but it's neat to hear that other people are seeing it as well. well I, I think that's a universal evolution for small town cores now all over the place where we're living in this flat digital world where we know we don't have to live in Brooklyn to understand what a good Brooklyn espresso or craft beer scene is about. We just we can find out really quick. So before the internet, I think this stuff was so foreign. You know, an espresso. <laughs> you know, this sounds ridiculous, but this is a. Yeah. So, but the other thing is, and I'd be interested in your perspective on this, Janet. But I also kind of, and again, this could be my maybe I was just being naive or something. But it also seems like there's a more of an openness. Um, you know, because I came from a pretty diverse population to kind of, you know, everyone kind of looked the same here, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like me, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Same, same uh, pigmentation on that sort of thing, right? Ginger. Yeah, ginger. Um, and, um, but does it seem like there's more like like we're ready to embrace maybe business yeah. and ideas in a different way? Is that is that is For that sure. just me? It's, it's changing. You know, right? we still have a lot of traditional industry, and and 
Um, what I would say is that our traditional industry knows that that they do need to change, and but it takes time, especially if you're a large company. Change is never easy, and so I would say when we look at our community as a whole, there's, you know, we've got fantastic entrepreneurs and innovators that are out trying new things. I mean, the Resin Aerospace announcement yesterday, you may have heard mm. about that, but company that worked with McCain Foods, um, connections with UNB, young guys who just raised eleven million dollars mm-hmm. in their second round of of, mm-hmm. uh, of investments. And they've opened up an office in San Jose and keep are continually hiring people. They've not only saved millions of dollars for McCain with their solution, but now they're they're launching a new startup and a solution. And essentially, they they use software technology and, and data analytics that that capture and give them information about what's happening in crops in, in potato crops. And then based on that information, they can predict what's going to happen in those fields. And then that drives their pest management programs and everything. So again, saving millions of dollars from McCain's. This is coming from researchers and innovators in our province solving solutions that, I mean, Monsanto just invested a ton of money in this. So all of a sudden, the the explosion, the opportunity. So I think there's, you know, we see companies like McCain that are opening and saying, all right, we want to be an early adopter. We want to test these solutions. And we want, there are companies that are exploring this and understanding it we're not quite there yet. We're working working towards finding out what what we need to do to make industry comfortable with with working with external external innovators. But we we think we're really close. I think it's really interesting what we have in this province, um, and I'm sure other provinces are similar. But we have such rich history of fam- family legacy mm. companies mm-hmm. um, from the Gnongs, Irvings, McCain Food. Uh, the Olins with Moosehead. Crosby's. Uh, Crosby's, Molasses. Like, these are iconic brands uh, that, that that have hundreds, uh, 100 plus years of, of of history. And we're always celebrating startup culture uh, and new innovation and kind of a new economy. And oftentimes people kind of, you know, just poo-poo that old, that old big industry. But I argue that without that infrastructure and without that, that capital and without that ability to invest, a startup culture can't exist. Hmm. Maybe it can, but uh, in a in a place where San Francisco, there's instead of having old industry to invest for their own solutions, there's people willing to just invest cash, and that's a little bit of an anomaly. What's going hmm. on there? But mm-hmm. I think this old legacy business culture that we have in New Brunswick is finally getting to that point where maybe it's really going to be. The uh, the catalyst to really totally. see startups explode like totally. Rustin, yeah. Well, because you think of the experience and talent within those legacy industries, and you know they they can solve all their problems themselves. And so, you know, there there is an opportunity to to connect with with other innovators. I know. I mean, JD Irving Limited has an incredible data analytics team inside their organization, and so they're finding new technologies and new ways of. Mm-hmm. You know, making predictions and and making decisions, and I mean, we we have a huge focus on data because we believe you know u- utilization of data, big data, real time information is where the world's going. I mean, we know by twenty twenty, there's going to be fifty billion devices that are connected, right? Like, wow. what what do you do with that data? Wow. Right. <laughs> so how the ability to harness that data and, and traditional industry is ripe for utilizing those solutions to really grow and become more competitive. It keeps them 
uh, relevant as well. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, mm-hmm. You know, with all the all the research we've been doing on mille- the millennial generation for our millennial dream project, um, it's these type of investments. Like I think of McCain Foods investing in Resin Aerospace or JDI investing in all this big data. This is all creating job opportunities for that millennial mm-hmm. dream generation. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the first time I've actually really thought about how well this could be married together. If um, if these legacy companies really saw the huge advantage to their bottom line in investing in startups in their backyard, mm-hmm. like it's well, huge. and even in the ability to attract talent, so millennials want to work for companies where they can have an impact. And so, if you're jumping into a process-driven role where you can't have an impact or that's not valued, then you're not going to keep certain kinds of people. And, and I, so, I think you know our, our more traditional companies, not even just here, but around the world are recognizing, oh my gosh, like this, this is, this is the, the new normal for employees and, and talent, mm-hmm. whether it's millennials or, or others. And mm-hmm. so we have to think about how we make our, our business environment more adaptive to their needs. Right. So, um, and, and this kind of, I think segues into a little bit is, um, you know, this idea about the, the power of problem solving to drive mm-hmm. innovation mm-hmm. and, um, and I think this kind of, I'd love to hear a little more about how you guys are um, helping drive innovation from problem solving. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think it connects to something I was invited to a while back and I couldn't attend and I'm really disappointed that I couldn't make mm-hmm. it for a variety. I can't remember what the reason yeah, was. Yeah, it was or, last, last May. Yeah. And, and so it sounds like, is, is, that, is, that, is that part of this? For sure. Okay, so we, so tell, yeah, tell we have a program. It's called uh, Catalyst Innovation. Mm-hmm. And we're using a, a process um, that was developed by Dr. Min Bassiter. He uh, is out of Burlington, Ontario. Great guy. Um, got to start with Procter & Gamble. And during worked in the, the first R&D department for, for Procter & Gamble and developed this process that really starts with identifying a problem. Um, but most people go, oh, got a problem? Here's a solution, right? right. So they jump got a right mouse, to solution. Got a, got a mouse, go buy a cat, yeah. right? Well, yeah. maybe it's not that simple. And so the process that we use is, you know, identify your problem. So let's say one of the problems that everyone's talking about is the lack of technical talent, right? It's not just a St. John problem. It's a, it's, and so, you know, we even had this conversation at our board. Well, we need to train. We need to train more. Well, let's, let's actually spend some time doing some fact-finding around that problem. And when you actually start identifying the most key facts, you find out, well, when we talk about technical talent, there's probably a hundred different kinds of technical talent. There's, you know, when we look at our, our traditional training institutions, it takes time for them to modify, even get the data that they need to create new courses. And so, you know, you can spend a fair, we actually encourage our businesses when, once they've identified this a problem to mm-hmm. actually spend the majority of their time fact finding. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so you d- diverge on all the facts and then you come back and you circle, you know, which, what's the most important four or five more most important key facts here. Well, that actually becomes the problem, mm-hmm. right? It's not the pr- problem that you started with. Mm-hmm. You actually get to a much deeper problem. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if we talk about technical talent, we may get to a point where we realize the most key critical problem is that there's no data on what what the right. critical skills are. So let's start there. Like how might we, and then we turn them into challenges. How might we uh, find out what the most critical skills are that are required? Well, then you can actually think of some solutions when you actually get to that bit of information. So we've worked with companies, um, you know, most recently with Steve Bellier, Base Engineering, who I think you know well, and they were working on a mobile application 
had some had a had a challenge that they were trying to work through in terms of the development of this. Um, it was worth you know millions of dollars in sales if they could get this developed. So we brought together an innovation SWAT team. So we had about ten people from around the province who would have some insight on this problem. We got together, did some fact finding. Um, came up with some ideas, and they uh, they found a developer in Moncton. They were looking wow. in India. They were looking in Alberta for right a solution. It was right there, but they wow. didn't know. They didn't yeah. have the connections, yeah, right? Awesome. So, so, so then, so this is available. This process is available to um, your clients. To a- yeah, any clients. And because um, I and I was just talking to a client who who was telling me that he called um, one of your colleagues mm-hmm. and, and and they said oh well we'll start with you know here's the process mm-hmm. and I was reminded of like geez I want to I want to learn yeah. more about that yeah. so so what um um. What's the, I, I think I know the answer to this question, but um, what stops people from doing effective problem solving? It, or with the idea it, of it takes time. Sol- it does take time, right? Okay. right? Yeah. And, uh, and Min Vaster talks about a great example from when he was at Procter & Gamble and an innovation team spent six months trying to develop a product and they kept putting product out after product and kept failing. And so then he was brought in and in three hours they had a solution. Wow. But it took three hours, right? Before they were just kind of running around putting out new products all of them were failing, but when they actually went through and identified what the real problem was, they went off in a completely different path and came up with that. So you can waste a lot more time solving the wrong problem. Right. And is it that people define that people, and I, again, oh, maybe I'll, here's what I'm finding. People want to, like from a, in a coaching perspective, right? So it's mm-hmm. work with the team, we'll come mm-hmm. up with a challenge. And we have, and it, you know, it, would, it wouldn't, you know, probably wouldn't be nearly as um, comprehensive as what you guys would do. But, um, but you know, you got to slow people down to really drill down and ask a bunch of questions exactly. and then try to answer the questions yep. related to this. But, but, and people will get frustrated with you as a facilitator because mm-hmm. they want to get, okay, no, no, this is like, w- mm-hmm. this is the solution. Mm-hmm. Because pe- I think we're just, it's almost like we're hardwired or we learn to try to jump to solutions so quickly but then like to, your, to that Proctor uh, example you, you might be solving something completely different because you haven't drilled down enough when we've done so we actually have a problem solving our ambassador has developed a problem solving profile and through a, a fairly short questionnaire and if you ask him he can tell you all the research that's gone into this so there's years and years of research but it will identify an individual's uh, preferred problem solving style so oh, as an example yeah, yeah. my preferred problem solving style is is to be a generator conceptualizer. So I'm very comfortable in ambiguity, have all kinds of options for ideas or fact finding. So, and that's the first step of the process is, is fact finding. So I'm, I love fact finding. I could give you a million facts and then I like to build on those facts. So I like to build on the idea. The majority of CEOs are implementers mm. and they're implementers. So, and implementers are the last step of the process, right? Those, that's where you give, you build that's your action plan part, and you go, right? right? So yeah. if you're starting with a fuzzy situation, this problem that hasn't been defined and you're telling a CEO who's a strong, strong implementer that you've got to go through eight steps to get to the action plan, they may get frustrated. But what we teach people is that when you understand that there's a process, and I, I brought it here so you can see it, when oh, you understand there's a process yeah. and that then you know, you're, you're, each, you're, step you're not two. necessarily going to like the first part right, and you're right. in step two, but we're going right. to get to step eight right. but and you're going to be really excited, but, but here's the path right. to get there, yeah, yeah. then they're more comfortable. And right. so... Uh, the funny thing is that conceptualizers, so these are the people who love to build on ideas and, and build models. Your, yes, like yeah. implementers wonder why they get paid, right? Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, an imp, but a conceptualizer can think an implementer is dangerous because they'll do anything, right? Right. Interesting. So if you have a team that has a mix, so you've got, you know, the four profiles are generator, generating, conceptualizing, optimizing, optimizing and implementing. Right. 
So engineers and, and accountants tend to be optimizers. And you need people like that in an organization, but they, they'd be really frustrated in the, the generating mode. They yeah. don't want to have to come up with new ideas and right. facts and right. you know, list, lists of ideas right. and options. They want to take those options and, and converge and evaluate and build plans. But if you have a team that has people with all four profiles, the, the research states that they're not going to have as much fun. <laughs> they're going to be more effective. Right. Whereas if you had a whole bunch of generators, they're going yeah. to have a great time, but right. they, they actually might never get it's anything Like a great done. example of the importance of diversity in thinking, right? For sure. And, and like, and, and, and being, um, but you know, it's so funny because, because the gener, I, I work very closely with someone who's great at generating ideas and millions of ideas. Mm-hmm. But I, I was like, okay, but how are we going to bring that to market? Right. Like, there's right. a lot of stuff that has to happen, right? And they sure. sound great and you can get really charged up, but it can be almost exhausting yeah. because it's like, well, that's a great idea, but mm-hmm. like ideas, you know, well, we will, nothing. Yeah. I was going to say, I'd like to see, we know, we know what mm, we should do. You I'll do your profile. I'll send you the, where you the link. Yeah. Like when I think of, can, can you do that on this? I can, yeah, I can yeah. send you the link. I, when, when I think of our friend, David Alston, who was episode two, who named this boiling point conceptualizer. I think totally. he, he's done the profile. Ideas, ideas, ideas. And like, um, he's brilliant at that. And I feel that I am in that space sometimes as well, but I really love execution as well. So I don't know where I would fit. On well, the circle, and, and people t- tend not to be one in only one quadrant. So my strongest is generating, but I, I'm pretty strong in conceptualizing. Whereas you might be like, you might have an oval shape right. or you're a conceptualizer implementer. It's that's possible too. Okay, right? gotcha. what, do um, do? what do you think? I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, and some people are pretty well-rounded too. Yeah. I mean, there are some people where you know, like we've got in our office, um, Mark Breen, who you know, is a generator implementer. So oh, he's like, got an idea, go do it, right? right? But he right. loves the ideas and yeah. he loves getting getting it done. Yeah. So he's learned, as, as he would say, to slow down the process. And now he knows there's a process, so he, he goes through it. So yeah. it's it's pretty instrumental and, and critical, you know, once you know this, to be able to use it and, yeah. and realize it. Takes time. How do? Oh, we, we're we're so we how? Got, we got so into this. I know uh, we're like yeah. thirty minutes. Well, okay, <laughs> oh okay, we're like we, <laughs> we, yeah. our, our next guest will be waiting for us in two minutes. But no, but okay. So a couple things. How do people <laughs> learn more about this and about you, Jan, and about Enterprise Saint John? Because that's really important. Yes. So they can reach out to us. Certainly, if they're in the Saint John region, then they yeah. can they can reach out to us, and and we are we are looking for people who want to go through this process because yeah. we know the results that come out the other end, and yeah. it's always phenomenal so we want more people who are open to it if you're somewhere else in the world and you want to look at it go to ambassador.com okay so uh, minbassador and it's called ambassador applied creativity is the name of the company and uh and they they travel all over the world working with the likes of john deere coca-cola cool. we should get to do this on on some time like somebody awesome. that, yeah. well well here's here's what i'm gonna throw out to mm-hmm. you or maybe I, we'll have to talk to your people probably um but I would love to do our profiles mm-hmm. to come back and talk a little bit about it. Sure. Right. And then the other thing I want to, we didn't have a chance to, is I want to, you know, I just like your entrepreneurial days and, you know, like the here magazine and there's all these really cool stories we didn't get to because we jumped into this. What do you, are you up to that? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to come back. And we'll, we'll we have, we'll have, we'll have, we might, well, if they have another batch. It will allow you brew. to redeem yourselves for putting me at number one. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and, and the other thing we have to redeem ourselves for is, is selfishly taking six minutes at the top of this interview, I'm talking about our beer, 
And this is why we have to cut. Jan, Jan expects that from us. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but she was in the green room prepping, and it was just took forever to write you know, all the powder, exactly, all the makeup. <laughs> so did and did we get the website Enterprise St. John website? Uh, EnterpriseSJ.com is our website. There's all the contact information right on the on the website. But uh, yeah, this is something we we're absolutely passionate about problem solving, and we want people to understand that there is a process and that there's great results that come out of going. Awesome. Through the and then and one last thing to a listener who might be interested in doing business as a region, they should really contact you guys sure. because it is it is such an efficient way to, to get into a yeah, new market. Yeah, we can connect you connect with big time. anyone you need to connect with. Right on. Yeah, thank you so much. Jenna Looking Scott. forward to 2.0 coming up. Thank, thank you. you. Okay. See you, See you, Dave. See you, buddy. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, I'm Joel McLeod, co-host of the 905er podcast. The 905 is one of the most diverse and densely populated regions of Canada. Four and a half million of us live, work, and play in the area surrounding Toronto. That's more people in the 905 than actually live in Toronto. Each election, the 905 decides who forms our government at both the provincial and federal levels. So why isn't more attention being focused on us here in the 905? We're looking to change that. My co-host, Roland Tanner, and I tell the stories that define what we are calling the most important region in Canada. Each week, we bring to your attention news, culture, and issues that make up what it means to be a 905er. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Or you can visit us at 905er.ca to subscribe.